entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and there's always going to be ups and downs and potential roadblocks. And it's all about being creative in your problem solving and being able to move through the problems um, to, to get on the other side of that success that you're looking for. Entrepreneurs love talking about business. However, it's no secret there's also so many things they love talking about which are not about business. In the Sea of Business Podcasts, none of your business is a refreshing break, a surprise kiss, an afternoon fizz. Through Carla Singson's cheeky and radical takes on mundane and principle-heavy topics, you'll gain insights that guarantee you something to talk about on your first Tinder date, while visiting grandma, or if you want to impress your new boss. Big thanks to Proximity Outsourcing for sponsoring this episode. Outsource the most tedious tasks in your business, such as data management, appointment setting, and creatives for less than $12 an hour, fully managed. Visit ProximityOutsourcing.com for more info. Tired of business podcasts? Tune in to None of Your Business. New episodes weekly. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of None of Your Business. Today is going to be really fun, really relaxing, and stress-free. So I hope that you're listening to this early in the morning to open your week. It's going to be an awesome conversation. Today, I am joined by a good friend of mine, Kelsey Marge. Kelsey is a high-performance business coach that helps six- and seven-figure business owners in the creative and digital spaces to optimize their performance and streamline their business operations so they can reduce stress, increase time freedom, and grow sustainably. Uh, hi, Kelsey. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing I'm doing very, very good. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation because as some of you listeners may know, I just got married a few weeks ago, and that was definitely the ultimate test of my operations, streamlining, outsourcing, delegating skills, and it was super fun and super amazing. However, in you know, just like in any super hectic um, life milestone, there's going to be stress. And mm-hmm. in day-to-day, you know, op- business operations, it's common for founders and business owners to, to have stress. So today we are going to talk about stress management for founders. And so I invited Kelsey to give us some tips, but um, before we jump in on her um, amazing golden nuggets, Kelsey, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up in, in your industry and in helping um, six and seven figure business owners reduce stress and grow their business seamlessly. Yeah. So gosh, um, to make it a long story short, I actually originally come from the psych field. So um, I studied psychology. I went into inpatient psychiatry. I worked as a mental health specialist for a number of years. And um, I love, love, love that job. I didn't leave that work because I I didn't enjoy it. Um, It is quite intensive though. And so about six years back, I was taking some time to just for myself and to do some traveling around the world. Um, I was planning to only be gone about one or two years. And then I was supposed to go back for more schooling. Um, But that didn't happen. Fast forward six years later, I was still living out of the country. Um, 
And I, and in my travels, right, I was looking for ways to continue to fund myself and to bring in an income. And that's how I stepped into entrepreneurship. And I originally had started with a business doing like VA operations and systems. Um, and that was great. Uh, I have some different business administrative background. And so the systems was a natural fit for me. But it wasn't quite the right thing, especially being that psychology was my passion. And I was seeing a lot of the issues that business owners were having, especially like solopreneurs and, you know, people who just gone off on their own and started businesses. And they pretty much like left one rat race to enter another. And um, I didn't know anything about coaching and I stumbled into it and I found that it was like a perfect opportunity for me to bring my love of systems and then like cultivating resilience and really helping people to cultivate more of that wellness and harmony in their life. And that's what ended up being the high performance coaching. So it's, I know there's people who are business coaches and people who are life coaches. I didn't necessarily want to be associated with either because it wasn't the right fit. And I found the two, like, you know, balancing between, you know, our, our, our work, our business and our personal life and trying to cultivate, um, more sustainable practices with like stress management and having a human centered approach was really the perfect fit. So I kind of come at it from that holistic point of view. And, and that's what I've been doing for the last three years and people, people need it. So I'm still working and making good money. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's definitely a much needed solution and it's definitely a much appreciated solution as well. I love it when um, I love hearing about other services that really serve founders because business founders um, face different a different level of risk, a different level of stress, and they are also expected to perform at a different level. Right? Yeah. Um, there's an expect there's an expectation that they'll always do more, think more. And um, at the end of the day, they have to solve the problem. So there's really a lot that they face. Um, In your opinion, what are the most common stressors that uh, founders face? Gosh, I mean, so everything you said is very spot on. Um, At the end of the day, as a founder, right, like people step into their business because they're trying to create something for themselves. Usually it's, you know, they want to create something unique, but there's also the, the goal of financial freedom or time freedom. Um, And so a lot of founders, when we step into creating a business, we're hustling and we're trying to gain traction and finding the right offer, um, the right services, the right audience, and making sure that um, what we're selling is gaining traction and we can get some consistent cash flow. By the time we're done hustling and getting to the point of this success, most founders and business owners find themselves between a rock and a hard place. They literally have all the hats on in the business. They might have kind of piecemeal hired and delegated, especially if they are, you know, new ish uh, to the entrepreneur world. And they don't really understand the importance of creating boundaries for themselves between their personal life and their work and how to actually lean into organizational structures that can really make the business like help the the business can help support them rather than them constantly working at the business. And so I think for most founders and business owners, it's that they're really good at what they did and they created a wonderful business, but their biggest issue is being able to step back and let go and create those boundaries and focus on other other parts of the business that are not immediately within their zone of genius. 
And I think that's kind of where their, their stress comes from. And it's, it's, it's the natural flow of it, but it's about knowing the right time to, okay, I'm at this level. Now, what do I do about it to really increase the performance of the business and to help me perform better as a leader? Because when you step into those CEO shoes, it's very different than being an actual worker in the business. Yeah, that's right. I think I really, I really like your point about the, the main stressor can always be tied to the fact that the CEO or the founder by the way, are two different things, guys, you know, yes. um, and, and yeah. I am the founder of my company, but I, I, I'm not the CEO because I, I know I'm not the best CEO, but um, for the founder, um, usually their stressor, stressor comes from not being in their zone of genius or not doing the thing that they're good at, that they're competent at, or the thing that they like doing. Um, and mm-hmm. we encounter this every day too, in outsourcing, I discovered, you know, a lot of people, we hear a lot about passive income and how, oh, it's it's super nice if money just comes in, we don't have to do anything. But I discovered that a lot of founders actually don't want to not do anything. They love something in their business. They love serving yeah. the people they want to serve. And there's certain parts of the business that they love doing genuinely. They would even do it even if they don't get paid. Um, for example, for me, that's copywriting. I love copywriting. And um I, I started out as a writer and I'll always do my company copy because I love doing it, but mm-hmm. I don't want to do the other things. And so I, I don't do that. Um, and you're absolutely right. My most burnt out experience was when I became a CEO because now I have to go do the CEO thing. And uh, and I, I discovered late that that wasn't, that's not in my zone of genius. Um, so what are, what are some, what's your like top three advice for founders to properly manage, uh, first is avoid, avoid this stress. And then number two is to manage this, this stress, this kind of stress. Yeah. So the first thing that I do with most of my clients is I ask them, why did, this is where you see on social media, like your why is so important. Why did you start your business? What was the ultimate goal, right? I think having an understanding of, I want I want to build my business to sell it. I want to build it where it's pretty much functioning on its own. And I just get to stick to my zone of genius. Like you were saying, right? Like you can build it and everything's functioning and it's running, but you get to focus on copywriting or maybe that it's completely running on its own. And you're just kind of sitting in the background working on other projects, Um the, your reasons of why you do something, not only are going to give you the motivation um, and, you know, give you that clarity on why you need to stay disciplined with whatever it is you're building, but it's going to help you determine exactly how you structure your business to support what you ultimately want to do. So getting really clear on that why is super, super important. But when it comes to like the stress management of it all and how do we like prevent the stress or how do we manage the stress? Because I mean, I know, you know, and I know, and a lot of other business owners out there know entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and there's always going to be ups and downs and potential roadblocks. And it's all about being creative in your problem solving and being able to move through the problems um, to, to get on the other side of that success that you're looking for. And so I typically, for the next thing that I do, it's actually, aside from that question, the first thing I do with my business owners is nervous system management. Mm-hmm. Um, nervous system management is really key. One, this is this is for everybody. I just like 
heavily emphasized because I work with business owners. Um, and I started that journey myself. I, I came from a really difficult background. I was on my own at 16. I did have a friend in her family who helped me out um, to finish high school. But for the most part, I was on my own and I've been on my own for a very long time. And I just, there's a a lot of trauma, a lot of bullshit, part of my French, like in my life. And so I really had to figure out how to manage my nervous system so that I could one, deal with everyday life and not lose my shit. And then two, step into something so big as like starting my own business. And it equally applies to business owners. It's all about how can we regulate ourselves? How can we consciously move ourselves into that parasympathetic state, which is the relaxed state? Because when we do so, when we actively practice this, it allows us to function more from our prefrontal cortex, which allows us to focus better, which allows us to have more creativity in our problem solving. It allows us to, um, what I'm missing another, I'll be more productive and then also to be more resilient in the face of any problems that pop up. So definitely like understanding your why to help you stay motivated, definitely using nervous system management to help and that's a consistent thing. It's not like a one-time thing to help manage the stress that comes your way with running a business. And then there's a few other things that you can do, but I guess I would say like the biggest, um, the biggest, like the third thing would be around kind of strategic organization and planning. Um, there's a lot that you have to do when you're running your business and being an adult just in general, but if you can strategically, like, right. Adulting is hard, man. <laughs> really hard. My, uh, my boyfriend has ADHD and he like loves it because I'm a systems and planning person. And so like I create a system and I'll be like, this is what we do to make it easy on both of us. And he shows up and he doesn't, he's like, I love it. He's like, if you put the system in place, I can follow it, but otherwise it's really hard. But a lot of what we're trying to accomplish it, all of it comes down to like the strategic organization and planning of it. You know, can you make it easy for yourself to show up, to have less cognitive load, create less decision fatigue, um, and then make it easier for you to focus on more like sustainable growth activities, right? It gives you that space and ease to do what you want to do. And it all comes with planning. I, there's some famous quote that I'm going to butcher, but it's like 80% of what you do is planning and the 20% is doing, I'm, I don't know who, that's not the right quote, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, my favorite metaphor for that, because I'm in outsourcing and you know, the, a lot of people, when they, when they think of outsourcing, um, it's usually because they don't want to do a thing and they want to outsource the decision-making and the responsibility, but that's not really what outsourcing is, right? Like you have a system, a working system, and then you pass it off to someone overseas um, so that you don't have to do it yourself. That's really it. But a lot of people come to us without set systems. They probably need people like you to help them out. So if you are a client of mine and if you need help with systems, not quite ready to outsource or not super confident, got to talk to Kelsey, guys. Um, I'm also going to be dropping her LinkedIn and her Facebook on the show notes. So definitely check her out, have a conversation and tell her that you you met her here. Um, but um what, what I was saying is that, you know, in some in, systems really save us, you know, like yeah. um, it's like a roller coaster. It's like a roller coaster has crazy loops and crazy um, surprises, but because there's a path, then you stay on the path and you can go as fast as you can or as slow as you can and you'll get to your destination, no matter how many surprises, how many drops, how many 
you know, you're not nervous, you know where you're going. So that really saves, that really saves you, you know, operational excellence is kind of our motto in, in my outsourcing company. And we always strive to be the best, uh, you know, the best at that. So, um, yeah. so I, I, another thing about good systems that save you is it is uh, a, a very, very good way to empower your team to honor their intelligence and mm-hmm. to respect the time that they put in your company. The, the people who work full time for you are committing a third of their lives to make your dream happen and not theirs. And I think that is an amazing gift um, from your employees, from your contractors, from your teammates. And one way to honor that is to provide them with really good systems and empower them and believe in their intelligence. So um, can you tell me a little bit about nervous system regulation? This is not a word that I encounter in my business outsourcing (laughs) uh, (laughs) delegation world. Uh, Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. What does it mean? And um, what are some easy practices that we can, uh, we can try? Yeah, absolutely. So as we all know, we have a nervous system. And I also like to say your business has a nervous system, which is your operations. <laughs> so if you look at it on both levels, but our nervous system, um, so a lot of people heard the, heard the term fight, flight, freeze. And now they've got fawn and a couple of other additional ones, but the fight, flight, freeze is basically our um, autonomic nervous system. So it's that activated state which means anytime we encounter stress, which by the way, the body cannot tell the difference between good stress and bad stress. It just knows that there's stress on the body. So like, right, exercise is really good for you, um, but it is a stress on the body. Um, Watching a lot of news constantly, especially since news is so negative, that's stress on the body and the mind. And this can put us into an activated state where it increases our cortisol production and a bunch of other stuff. So basically, especially with today, how we are so connected online, we have constant access. We've got our our little dopamine machine with our phone where we can constantly scroll and do whatever. Um, We are constantly activated and that's where it leads to things like decision fatigue and then the burnout where you just feel like exhausted from everything and you're, we're being bombarded with information all the time. And when we move our body into a relaxed state, which is the parasympathetic nervous system, the body is able to relax and settle in. And that's when we can have deep processing of what's been happening in our life. That also means we've moved from like functioning in our amygdala to our prefrontal cortex. The amygdala is like our fear-based part of the brain. And that's where we're really functioning from reactionary emotion versus our prefrontal cortex is that executive functioning where you are, you know, being creative, you're making decisions, that sort of thing. So the goal here is, is to be able to practice moving ourselves consciously into our relaxed state regularly. And that, so when you do have a crisis, you have the ability to calm yourself and move yourself into that state so that you can not necessarily just react to a problem, but you can really like firmly and and solidly problem solve. Um, And so like a certain nervous system practice would be breath work. That's like the biggest one that I typically work with my clients on. A very, very simple practice for people to get into is box or square breathing. Um, For those of you who don't know what that is, basically you're inhaling through your nose, exhaling through your nose, never into your chest, 
always like deep belly breaths. Um, but basically you're like inhaling for the count of four, holding your breath for the count of four, exhaling for the count of four, holding your breath for the count of four. So if you look at it, I know most of you won't see this video, but it's right. a box four, 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 four. Um, doing that for a minimum of five minutes can really re really help to reset your nervous system. And most of my clients, they say it's one of the biggest game changers because they see a difference in the way they approach their work every day. They're coming at it with a more clear mind, more calm state. Um, and then they, because they've been practicing this, when there is a crisis or a problem that pops up, they can automatically lean into this and they don't feel like they're too overwhelmed or they can't deal with a situation. Right. So that's like one practice. Um, a lot of people wouldn't think it. I mean, obviously uh, exercise is a good practice for nervous system regulation. How you're eating, your diet can also help. And same with sleep. Another practice that people don't realize is doing something as simple as gratitude. Um, basically it's elevating certain things in the prefrontal cortex, which is allowing us to cultivate a more positive response state. Um, we have a typical reaction to go negative with things. And I'm not saying that to be positive all the time about things, but if you're practicing something like gratitude regularly, it helps you to step back and be able to assess the situation instead of immediately going negative with it. You can potentially see more positive options or other opportunities in ways of solving that problem rather than immediately going down a catastrophizing road of like, oh my God, we're all fucked. What do we do? <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, the, that's basically the nervous system management. They're really small, simple practices. The key here, which people don't realize is that you have to practice them regularly. So it's about cultivating habits, which is why habits and in the personal development world by the gurus and the high level CEOs and all that are talked about so much because that's where that comes from. Right. And I think uh, I, I love all of those practices. I, I practice all of them, actually, except box breathing. I, I admit I don't practice that. I know of it, but I don't practice it um, regularly. But I do meditate every morning and I try to journal as much as I can. It, um, gratitude journaling is is very, very helpful because, like you said, it it is um, it just helps you focus, uh, put your focus in the positive things in your life, because whatever you're focused on you, that, that is what you fill your life with. And, and there are good and bad things in life. And, um, it was actually Bruce Willis. I, I read, uh, a, a random I love article. Bruce Willis. I, I, yeah. Are you wet right now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to ask my producer really, to delete I that. Weird thing for Bruce Willis. I love <laughs> oh, him gosh. so but oh, you're gonna love this. But I, I, I saw a random interview on Bruce Willis a while ago, like in the '90s or something. I was a child, and um, and they were like, "Oh, you know, you you do all of these action movies, and you don't really like, you don't really, you're, you're always out in the sun because like he lives in California. I forgot anyway. But they were like, "What's your skincare like secret? And you you seem to have like you seem to be really youthful and young. And he was like, "I don't watch news." I just don't, I don't read the newspaper. I don't watch news. If someone even starts to tell me uh, something about the news or politics, I just step out of the conversation respectfully. And, yep. um, and, and it reminded me of what you shared of, you know, if you focus on bad things, like at the end of the day, there's also nothing 
that you can do about the news that they're sharing with you. You know, to be honest, whether it's an earthquake, a tornado, if the tornado is heading your way, then you got to get out of there, of course. But like if 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 it's something that's just going to upset you and you can't do anything about it, then you're just choosing to be stressed out over something that you can't control. Yeah. And and then that, you know, snowballs. Um, in fact, in my wedding, my I did look at the weather forecast, but I didn't ruminate on it. It had, uh, yeah. it said like 30% chance of thunderstorm, but I was just like, okay, I'm just going to pray for good weather. And then whatever happens, happens and you have to let go. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, another thing I want to share is that I, as time goes by, and as I read a lot about cancer and heart disease, uh, which is the, some of the biggest killers of our generation, stress is, seems to be the number one. Um, yes. cause of fatality or the number one kind of uh, makes it makes it more aggressive right M- makes these illnesses more aggressive uh, and I believe that because both of my parents passed early and and I did see their health deteriorate um, with more stress with you know mm-hmm. so um, I try to also avoid stress as much as I can and that's why I I love what I do I'm in, in the business of removing stress yeah. from from founders um, and Kelsey as well so you know that's why we it was easy for us to bond uh, over mm-hmm. recording this podcast. Um, what do you think of what they call work-life balance or work-life synergy? And how can founders maintain a healthy work-life balance while maintaining the demands of running a business? Yeah. So I know there are a lot of people, out, I mean, no one, it's a buzzword. And then there are a lot of people out there that are like, work-life balance doesn't exist. And like true 50-50 work-life balance doesn't exist. That's that's very, very true. Um, I tend to use the word work-life harmony and work-life integration because it gives a little bit of a different tone. Um, basically, it's all about what your priorities are. So if your priority is that you are scaling your business, but you also know that let's just say family is really important to you, that um, making sure you have downtime and rest is really important to you. You might do a split like 40% on the business, 30% on family, 30% on yourself or however you want to do it, right? Um, It really really depends on what you're prioritizing at the time, but it's also being mindful that we shouldn't do all or nothing. So this is a very common thing in psychology that we do. So like when someone, you know, if if you're being histrionic in your thoughts or you're catastrophizing, right, we're going all mm. in one direction versus the other. And it's the same idea with how we run our businesses. Um, you can, it's about really understanding what your values are and what your mission is. And then following through with your action. It's about setting boundaries. So if you know, for example, that you need to be, you're in like hardcore scale mode with your business, um, you're going to want to make sure that you have your time around what you're doing structured so it's efficient and productive within the time that you're doing it. So I'm sure you've heard of Parkinson's law. Mm-hmm. Work will fill the time that you allow it to. So if you you say, it's going to take me all day to do this project, it'll take you all day to do it versus like, I have two hours to work on this project. I'm going to do it in the two hours. You will do it in the two hours. Don't get me wrong there. If you can't guesstimate what the project is, sometimes you need more time, but um, it is very true that, you know, the work will fill the time that you allow. And it's about making sure you're being the most efficient that you can so that you can maintain other boundaries in your life. So you could have that harmony elsewhere. 
Uh, for me, like I'm very big on, I don't, I don't work on the weekends. I want to make sure I have two days off in a row. I personally need it. I've come from a very stressful background, so I'm really big about like managing my stress. Um, and that's really important to me. I also don't take meetings on Mondays and Fridays, uh, one, because I need deep focused work time where it's like uninterrupted from meetings. And then also if I do want to take a day, I want to have like a half day, make it an easier day for me because I've been stressed out or I've got a lot going on elsewhere. Then I can, because I want to, I want to maintain a boundary because for me, what's really important is having that harmony and that wellness. I want to, I want to focus. Wellness is a huge thing for me. Um, I struggled with a lot of health issues that come from, having such a traumatic upbringing. So like now I've got all sorts of issues that I've had to figure out and manage. And a big, a big part of that is stress management. Um, and so it's, it's really about understanding what are your priorities, putting in a process or system that's going to support you to be efficient and effective in showing up to do that and helping you maintain boundaries in other areas of your life. So you can still show up and respect that. Um, and then that's where you recognize that you you're having work-life integration, you're creating more harmony. And that's basically what the term of a lifestyle business is, is that you're creating your business to support your life and not the other way around. Right. So uh, I think the the thing that I really liked about what you shared is that, um, first of all, it's the consciousness, right? Like when you were, you were I, I noticed that coming into the decisions you make around your business, you're very conscious. You're very like, this is who I am. This is what I want. And these are my boundaries. So that's very, very healthy. Uh, some people might not be used to that, especially if they have a very long uh, history of being an employee, for example, where they're used to be, where they're used to being the one following the rules and not calling the shots and they have a boss. And sometimes when employees transition into entrepreneurs or founders, they have, they, they, they struggle in, in really being conscious that now they have the freedom to call the shots and they get to design the life that they want. Um, and I also like the acknowledgement on the you know when you're starting out that's it's obviously a hustle and it's also you know we've all experienced this you work 12 16 hours every day for a while um, and then it starts to stabilize hopefully <laughs> after a few months um, but consciousness is very very important because I think that's where all what that's where this balance comes from um, for people who also noticed uh, Kelsey dropped some um references about time management strategies, techniques. So the Parkinson's law, definitely check it out. I also have an episode on time management. I think I released it September or October of 2022. So definitely check it out, find it. And uh, we'll try to link it to this episode as well. I think after this episode, you will love listening to that episode too. Um, so what about busy parents? Um, any, I know you're, you're not a parent, right? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> no kids. <laughs> your your child might be like, what the fuck, mom? Like, forget about me. But like um, for your clients who have like kids, you know, husbands, wives, um, can you share with us some, maybe like one or two quirky, quirky strategies or quirky techniques, tactics that they've done to maintain work-life balance? Yeah. So there's, there's, so I can respond to that. 
But then there's another thing that I want to say that um, just kind of ties back to some of the the stuff you were saying about like the conscious decisions and, and just also about, right, like managing your stress and why you choose to manage your stress being that you like lost your parents and everything. So I'll come back to that in a second. But with all of my clients, so my coaching, a lot of people are like, why don't you do group coaching? I can, but what I really enjoy is the one-to-one. And I also really think it's important to personalize how you are structuring yourself. Um, so with my clients, I'm always like, what works best for your flow? How do you get into flow? How does your brain work? How does your body work? So, you know, this is the problem with personal development books because everyone, you know, they say, this is what you do. You wake up at 5 a.m., you do this, you do that. That doesn't work for everybody. I'm someone who I can sleep close to 10 hours. I've done, I've had a sleeping thing since I was a baby. So much so that my grandma and my mom thought there was something wrong with me that they took me to the doctor. And the doctor's like, she's sleeping at night. She's eating, she's going to the bathroom. They're like, yeah, he's like, she just likes to sleep. And I still, as an adult, I like to sleep. So for me, could I wake up at 5 a.m.? Absolutely. I used to do that when I worked at the hospital. Like I am capable but I'd rather get the rest for my body and I'll still wake up and I'll, I'll move my body right away in the morning, but it's about finding that what works best for you. Um, and so for example, someone who has children, your flow may not be, it's now your flow is no longer dependent solely on what feels best for you, but also with your kids. So it's about really finding the pockets that you can do together, you know, especially if your kids aren't in school, if you have children under five, um, you know, ideally asking for support. If you have the means, if you have family, if you have friends who can, you know, give you an hour or two of child-free time, that's amazing once or twice a week, but that's not always the case. So it's like, okay, when, just like you have systems for yourself, you need systems for your kids so that they know what to expect. They have that safety. And so when your kid knows that it's nap time and I, sometimes I get that they don't nap, but if we can create that structure, they're napping during that nap time, use that as your workflow, like your workflow time, how can you create space for yourself while still being a present parent, Um, right? If you have a partner who is supporting you, communicating with them, yo, honey, this is some shit that I want to do. This is what I need for me. How can we work together to make it happen? How can I hold space for you? And how can you hold space for me? Um, Do healthy behaviors with your children. A lot of people think that we need to be constantly entertaining our kids. I have, I have friends now that are having lots of kids. I babysit. I love, I love babies. I just don't have any my right now. I don't, I don't need one permanently in my household um, right now, but like I have friends and I see how they're parenting and all the things. And it's interesting to see like kids don't need to be, we don't need to give them the shiny toys all the time. Like let them help you do the dishes. Maybe they won't be as clean as they should, but like, you know, let them, let them do some exercise with you. Let them do some breath work with you lead by T like lead by action, showing them how to do things. And then also you still get to do the stuff that you need to do to support yourself. You're showing healthy behavior. So there's a couple different aspects there, but it's about doing what works best within your flow and within the flow of your family. So that's the the one thing. Um, and I just wanted to touch on, right, because you mentioned, right, your parents, they had a lot of stress. They died at a young age. Both of my parents, they um, also died at a young age. I actually lost my mom this summer. And she, both of them coped with, with alcohol. And 
I, a big reason of why I've gotten into what I've gotten and right, this is on the kind of more illness side. We are not taught how to manage ourselves as human beings. We are not taught how to manage our thoughts, like how to process them, work through them, communicate them appropriately, how to allow ourselves to feel our emotions without getting stuck in, in the suck, so to speak. And then how to have behaviors that help support us during difficult times, but also that push us to grow beyond our comfort zones. We're not taught any of that. And I think there's a couple things that happen that have happened in previous generations that we see now people cope with all sorts of crappy behaviors, drugs and alcohol, sex, porn, video games. We distract because we don't like to feel uncomfortable. We throw ourselves into work. We're also a consumer-based economy. And so we just continue to distract and overload ourselves. And we do nothing in terms of stress management, which then leads to the burnout, which leads to unhealthy diseases like cancer, like drug and addiction uh, like addiction, alcoholism, that sort of thing. And so that's a huge reason why I got into what I'm doing. Cause you know, my parents, they didn't learn these things. And I'm a true believer that if you learn like how to properly feel your emotions, process through them, communicate it and have behaviors that you can lean into to support you that you're taught from an early age. So you lean into it, even when times are tough, it makes the world of difference, which is why nervous system management is such a cornerstone of my coaching outside of just the systems in our operations and personal habits and things like it's a, it's a solid key to helping people really deal with their shit and still show up as a person and a business owner and like thrive. It's, you know, the whole saying they can thrive instead of survive. And so that's a, I just wanted to touch on that because I think it's really important for people to realize where that comes from. Wow. Uh, wow. That was, um, I'm really grateful that you thought, you know, safe to share that. I'm sorry about your mom. I'm, I want to hug you. I know how it is for sure. Um, you know, that's a very special relationship and having that kind of realization after you know you you lose a parent it is it feels like you're on a mission right you're on a mission and i feel like doing the work that you do um is also a way of honoring your mother which i think is very beautiful um and um yeah you know i i i love what you shared and i love specifically what you shared about um people usually using distractions using um, cheap dopamine, I, I call it like cheap dopamine sources. Um, Good way you know, saying it. Because <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, stress is is a hormone uh, imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also what uh, these distractions are. You're you're also effing up your dopamine uh, receptors, yeah. and uh, by watching too much TV, playing video games, sex, you know, gambling, you know, all of these things that are sources of cheap dopamine. Um, and it actually doesn't help in managing, you know, cortisol, your stress hormone. And then it just kind of spirals because um, mm-hmm. you're not going to lose weight. Uh, you're going to start craving bad food. You're not going to be feel full. And then so it just and right. then it's going to, you know, your reproductive system, it's going to mess that up, too. And then your period will not be on time. Then you start breaking out. And so it's just kind of yeah. that's why the stress management thing is actually bigger than than just, you know, breathing calmly and yes. write on your journal. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. It, it's way bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. It is, it is like the, 
the the, the CPU uh, of your body and, and and cleaning that you know like that you're the little fan there I feel like that's that's my metaphor for it so I, I love what you shared and I hope that people are are also more um, conscious of that I mean from time to time we all there's no um shame in binge watching say your favorite reality tv dating show you know from time to time but as long as you're aware and as long as you also find a way to kind of balance things in your life um that would be you know let's just be more conscious of it um exactly let's talk about misconceptions let's talk about wrong practices uh, or or outdated practices um, in your opinion, specifically for founders, entrepreneurs, what do founders usually get wrong about stress management? What are some of the common misconceptions or any surprising discoveries in uh, in the industry that that you've um, found? Yeah, so there, I guess there's a couple of things. You already touched on one that like it's like an offshoot of stress management is they think like in order to not have stress in their business that they need to they need to offboard a lot of things. Like they need to delegate everything. And they think the quickest way to doing that is by just hiring someone else to do it without having the the proper processes and systems in place, which in the end causes them more stress because they're delegating it to people, but they're getting results that they don't want, or they're not seeing the results that they do want to see. And, and the, I, so I've, I've worked with a lot of business owners. They're like, it's just too stressful. It's too stressful to manage a team. And of course there, there does come some, some, a different unique type of stress with that. But if you have processes and systems in place, it makes onboarding a team member a lot easier, finding someone who's the right fit a lot easier. Um, and then the day-to-day management, a hundred percent, like more easy. So it's, it's kind of like that, like that immediate it's like with distraction, right? We don't want to feel discomfort. So we push it away with distractions and founders do. I don't like this task. I don't want to do it. So I just want to get it off of my plate immediately. And they, they give it to a white label agency service or they have some VAs that come in that they promise they're going to get you these metrics, but they don't know your business. They don't know exactly what you want or how you're functioning. And so it makes a difference for you to take the time to create those processes yourself. And then they, of course, can be refined and improved upon with your team as you grow. Um, but that's one aspect. And then the other aspect is, I think, right, it's that all or nothing concept with, with stress management. Um, I actually have one client that I had to scale him back on how much exercise he was doing. Um, oh. Very healthy, very fit, but he was exercising to the point where it was like, he, he had a lot of things going on in his business. So his stress levels were high from there. And if that hadn't been the case and he was working out the amount that he was sure, no problem. But because there were other areas of his life that were increasingly demanding, we had to adjust. And I wasn't even saying, I was just saying like, Hey, let's scale it back to three, four times a week compared to like the seven and, or the multiple times a day in different aspects um, because he was draining his energy. He was exhausted and he couldn't put down the demands in his business. They were things that needed to be addressed right then and there. And so it's like, how do we manage this in a better way? Can we do stress management in a different way? Yes. Exercise is great and you need that, but that is, that is a, like, you know, when you think of like high intensity interval training, like you are exerting a lot of energy. So let's do a little bit less of that and then do some more soothing stuff with some gentle breath work some gentle stretching, some gentle yoga, still moving your body, 
still moving your diaphragm, still allowing yourself to move into that parasympathetic state, but it's not, we're not doing things in excess. So I think that's kind of where a lot of people go. They go all or nothing. And then it's like, well, if I can't do this for stress management, I'm not going to do it at all. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's all Um, about creating buffers for yourself. Hey, I want to start this thing that works best as a habit. Let me just try to show up and do it two, three times a week. Yeah. I did it for this week. Let me try to tag on one more day. Let me give myself the option to, hey, ideally I'm going to be doing this five days a week, but give myself two days of rest, right? We are, my one client, what she say? We're all just little zoo animals that are need our own special ecosystem in order to function best. And it's about figuring out what works best for you, but not putting these high expectations that when we don't reach them, we ultimately give up, which is why you see like New Year's goals and all that stuff fail all the time. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that um, example of how how certain things that are designed to help you can sometimes um, backfire. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I think it was Andrew Huberman who who you know who's obviously a very famous like health guy, very famous podcaster, uh, a doctor, and a researcher. He says that um, these devices that help us track stuff in our body, like an uh, aura ring, or me, I wear this Huawei band that tracks my sleep and the oxygen levels in my blood, um, and continuous glucose monitors, and that you know they're designed to make your life better, health better, so that you can see. But sometimes they also work against you because if you wake up in the morning and you check your quality of sleep and it's not good quality, it could start your day in a wrong way because now you're like, oh, bummer. Like I get a failing grade, I get a failing mark and it just doesn't, you know, now you're starting your day with stress actually because, you know, it just adds to, to, to that. And then on what you shared about, you know, overly doing things like over exercising over even like calorie deficit. So you want to lose weight, but some people, they just like, they do one meal a day and and they're literally like malnourishing themselves. I yes. don't know if that's a real word, but yeah. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're literally like <laughs> malnourishing themselves. Um, and then and then it's not healthy, you know. So uh and if, and and by the way, if you lift a lot of weights, your body produces cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So if you yeah. overdo it and you don't balance it out with like stretching, breathing, other low impact exercises. My favorite discovery is um, housekeeping, <laughs> cleaning the house. Um, I now mindfully uh, enjoy going around the house and and doing little stuff so that I just keep moving um, more functionally, right? My body, instead of before, I would have a very stringent exercise program where like I'm on the treadmill for 30 minutes, I'm going to lift weights for this time. Now I'm just kind of seeing how my body feels and mm-hmm. and. And if I don't feel like lifting weights, I just make sure I still kind of move around the house for at least an hour. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's fantastic. I think it comes back to that word that you use conscious. It's about being Mm. conscious about the choices that you're making for yourself and conscious about how it's really affecting you and what you, what your body needs and, um, and how can you best show up for you, which is also Mm -hmm. ultimately going to help elevate the performance of your business, especially the founder. Yeah. So, um, when, when it comes to, you know, pressures that, that founders cope with, or that founders have to kind of keep up with in the, in business, there's always a pressure to make more money 
there's always a pressure to say, get to the next, you know, figure or maybe innovate and launch a new product. What is your best advice so that founders can cope with this pressure to stay ahead in a highly competitive market without having to succumb to overwhelming stress? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I think it's going to sound really simple, really silly and really simple uh-huh. because I get it in the entrepreneur world, we do have to be innovative. We have to keep up, right? Like AI has now entered the scene. We have to constantly, constantly be working on things. I think we, we often set goals and then we reach that mountaintop and then we immediately go, what's the next goal? I think having a practice as simple as celebrating when you reach that goal and giving yourself time to process and feel it is and reflect on it is really important. So when you accomplish something really big that you've been working towards for a very long period of time, give yourself a week or two. Like don't, again, say no to yourself. This is really important as a founder. Learn how to say no. Not every new shiny item is the best thing for you in your business. Um, Allow yourself that time to celebrate, to process and reflect. Give yourself a little bit of that space because with that will come a lot of clarity. You might realize, oh, I don't need to do this new innovative thing. Maybe you found you found your golden nugget and it's about how do we make it shine? How do you refine the processes that got you there? Sometimes it's about not creating something new, but really refining and optimizing the old so you can do it again, but do it better. And in a way that it's not so demanding and stressful on you, right? That's the whole whole idea behind um, systems and business. So like when, for me, I typically don't work with like brand new business owners who are not making um, consistent cash flow yet. This is why I say I work with six and seven figure business owners because they have found, they've got a service, they have an offer that they know that they can make money from and they have repeatedly done so. But it's always that that stuck between a rock and a hard place for where they're like, I'm doing the work to make it happen. I brought in like a client for this and I'm, I'm making it happen, but I want to take on more work, but I can't do that because I'm busy with this. And I can't necessarily, you know, bring on people to help me because I don't have enough money and therefore I need another client. And it's about, okay, so how do we refine what you're already doing to make it work for you instead of you constantly work at it? And then you will be able to have the bandwidth to maybe work, pull in a a little extra income, or you'll be able to see that you can hire someone for like a lower level task at a cost cost efficient price to support you, which will then allow you to do higher needle moving actions. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, I think it's kind of, it's in that realm. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And, and of course, you know, um, getting support, getting help is great. Um, but the first step before that is I want all of the founders and all the business owners listening right now to know fully in their heart that you are doing something good to the world and you deserve support. Whatever that yes. means for you, you know, a supportive partner, supportive boyfriend, your child staying silent while you're on a Zoom call, <laughs> outsourcing, delegation, an amazing executive assistant, a coach like Kelsey, you deserve support. You de- you're doing something good to the world. You want to give something to the world you um decided to take this path 
of uh, creation and solution giving instead of the regular path of employment. And I think that's that's a gift that you're giving to mankind. And you should know that you you don't have to do this all by yourself. And you have the tools, you know, you've learned a lot of tools from this podcast, but also there's a lot of people who can help. Um, and yeah, say no to things that don't feel aligned, fully aligned to you, maybe not a good, perfect timing right now. Um, I listened to this TikTok the other day um, of Elon Musk's like ex-wife, and mm-hmm. she shared that as Elon Musk was growing his company, um, the thing that she noticed was that he said no to a lot of things and because um, he wanted to focus on his main thing. And uh, he shared uh, an insight that uh, every no is a deeper yes. And mm-hmm. it's a deeper yes to what he wants to to achieve and fulfill. And uh, I, I thought that that was really special and it, it's worth thinking about, you know, to say no, um, because a lot of a lot of people, especially women, could be people pleasers, right? And oh, yeah. I still, that's I still, most, that still most happens of my to clients. me sometimes. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, or like, you know, but deep inside, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel 100% aligned with that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just take it with, with just practice, you know, take it with a lot of practice. And, um, and always remember that every no is a, is a deeper yes. So, um, mm-hmm. all right. So, Last two questions. Um, I I definitely want to take this time to thank you, Kelsey, for all of your insights. I super enjoying this conversation, and I know that you love traveling. So next time you find yourself in in this part of the Americas, definitely let me know so I can <laughs> invite you out to a stress free margarita day. Uh, but yeah. we talked about <laughs> yay. We talked about um delegation and teams. Also, you know, for founders, they're not just working alone um mm-hmm. in your experience or or in the people that you work with what advice do you give founders so that they can also help um alleviate stress and burnout from their team members yeah so i'm going to come right back to it processes and systems baby um <laughs> I know a lot of people fear that by giving someone an SOP, like a standard operating procedure, or having someone create a standard operating procedure about their role, there's a fear that they're trying to phase them out or that they won't need this person. But that's not the case. It's more so about being on the same page of understanding how certain projects and tasks are getting done and how can you guys together make it more efficient and how can you make it more clear in terms of expectations and also make sure that that responsibility doesn't sit solely upon that one person's shoulders because right just like i coach like you know founders and business owners the idea is to remove them from being stuck in the day to day so everything doesn't lay on their shoulders it's the same idea with your team so for example and this is like if, if, if this is contractors freelancers or even employees um And even more so with contractors, right? Like they don't, they're not tied to your business. They don't owe you anything. I think a lot of people, um, I love contractors. I use only contractors. I don't have any full-time employees and um, it's great, but I treat them like they are my employee. I make sure that I give them clear standard operating procedures to follow. If they're an expert in whatever it is that I'm hiring them for, I'm not telling them exactly how to do their job, but I'm telling them exactly 
what, how do we work together to get this job done? It's more about the project management of it all. And so I'm giving them clear expectations. Hey, like this is something that I need. I know you're going to go off on your own and use your expert skills to do this, but please make sure that this material gets saved in this place. And please make sure that you notify me when this is completed. Um, for someone who's like a regular contractor with me, one of my VAs, she, you know, I have very clear expectations of what she's supposed to do on a daily basis. She knows exactly how she's supposed to show up. We have a very clear check-in process. So communication isn't like things are not falling through the cracks because that's where a lot of issues typically come from. And a lot of like employees, contractors, they appreciate it lessens their stress knowing exactly what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to show up, where are they supposed to do things in what particular ways. It helps alleviate all the decisions they potentially need to make or the problems that they need to solve in doing their, their job for you. So that's one aspect. Um, I also make sure that I go out of my way to at least once a week, ask my teammates, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Show genuine interest in who they are as a person. And even more so now, because the world is so remote, just to be like, Hey, I, I hope that, you know, you had a Oh, I saw it was your anniversary. How did your anniversary go? You know, whatever it is, people want to know that you see them as a human being and that they have support. And then I also really encourage regularly scheduled check-ins. And I'm not saying it has to be weekly, bi-weekly, but maybe once a quarter, depending. And you can do this again with freelancers and contractors, but to check in and say, hey, we've been working together for a little bit. These are some things I've really enjoyed working with you on. There's a couple of things that I'm wondering if we could improve. And I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for me to make this role better for you and also to help um, elevate the business. People feel valued when you give them space to share and also to contribute to the conversation. And so all of those things can help lessen stress, can make them feel valued, and then we're going to make them want to stick around and put in a little more effort and show up in the role that they're in. So that's what I would say um, for having like cultivating a happy, happy team culture, ha happy team life. <laughs> right. I love that because you touched half of it was all about systems, operational excellence, and um, predictability and order. And then the other half is let's be human. Let's be friends. I acknowledge, I see you for you and I'm happy you're here. And I think the formula is not difficult guys. It's not. <laughs> you just well, have to be, be office Kelsey. You'll be office Kelsey and human Kelsey and it's both enjoyable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised there are a lot of founders, like people who think like business needs to be business. And like, just because I'm asking my teammates, how are they doing? What's going on in their life? That doesn't mean I'm like trying to be besties kind of deal, but I'm just right. seeing them as a human being. And that's not going to negate or deflect from business in any way. And yeah. there are a lot of business owners who also just, they communication isn't necessarily their strong point. So like, they yeah. don't know how to like, communicate not only with their team, but with their clients when they're trying to express something. They don't know how to give feedback in a constructive manner. Um, right. They also, probably because most of us don't receive a lot of positive feedback in our life, they also don't know how to give someone positive feedback. They're like, yo, you did a really great job with this. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, they, and they don't receive it often. So like they don't recognize the value in it. Um, right. And so that's important to them. Yeah. Put up their ass and then say, this is how you communicate. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like 
you don't have to, you know, obviously some, for some people with a, a really big company, you know, um, it's, it's not, we don't expect the founder to memorize all of your employees' birthdays and, and everything. But um, this is where uh, a good HR team would also come on because if they understand your core values and your, um, your deep interest to really take care of your people as people, um, they will also deploy the necessary order into making these check-ins, this, you know, these initiatives much more um, meaningful. So yeah, we, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like being meaningful because even a company, uh, I have talked to people who have eight or nine figure businesses and they, even though it's not, you know, they, they can't give a handwritten card to everyone every birthday, there mm -hmm. are ways that they, they're able to personalize and humanize their day-to-day -day interactions. And, and that, that, that means a lot to, to the teammates, no matter how high or how low their, their rank is in the organization. And, and overall, that just reduces kind of the collective stress in the business and makes productivity better, makes synergy better, make people enjoy collaboration more. So there's really only upside to this. Um, yeah. So, um, well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for all of your tips. I feel like even I have learned a lot and there's, I definitely had a lot of golden nuggets and breakthroughs in this conversation. Um, as as kind of a last or, or closing advice, um, can you share with us one particular success story of a founder who went from burnt out and stressed to to happy and relaxed? And what did you learn specifically in that experience that you want to share to, to our listeners? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I've, I've had a few, I've had a few clients who've <laughs> like had this exact thing. Um, one of my, like, she's, she's great because she was so unique. Um, so, uh, her name's Sophia and she does email marketing for e-commerce brands. And, um, she was, you know, making one, she came to me, she was making really good money, but she was working quite a bit in her business and she was overwhelmed. She was trying to scale her team, but it was messy. She was thinking about going to expanding to agency level rather than just being kind of like a small boutique team. Um, but she was also a musician and like a pretty well-to-do mu musician. And so when we started our first contract together, we were together for over a year and a half and my normal contracts are about four months long. And she actually got an invitation to go on tour with, what was her name? Is it Tori Amos? I think that might be the artist, um, to tour across the U S like for, 60 something days. And so this was our, this was our tester. Like, let's get some shit together. Let's get some personal routines in place. Let's get some processes and systems in place with the team that you do have and who we're hiring and what we're doing and how do we manage it while you're on the road. And we got her down to 10 hours a week. And she is, we definitely, I think we doubled her. We doubled her revenue. Um, we did scale to agency level, but it wasn't the right fit for her of like having like a, like a client manager and all that. It just, it wasn't necessarily needed and it, it didn't fit for what she ultimately wanted to do with the business. And so we kind of scaled back to a boutique level. We worked on her processes and systems, but a big part of what we worked on was all of this personal stuff. We definitely did the operational things that came second, but the first thing that we worked on was like, 
How does she manage her time? How does she set up her workflows? How is she taking care of her body, like with her sleep and eating habits and her stress management? Um, we had a lot of conversations around being confident in how we're running, like how she was running her business and being able to say no. That was really hard for her saying no, not only to like clients, but to stuff going on in her family and all of these things, like really building confidence around setting boundaries and then following through and maintaining them to support her and her own performance. And then how she was showing up in her business. And once we kind of set that up, it was easier for us to work on those processes and systems and get that all aligned. And now she's like, she's doing, she's fantastic. She's still working less than 10 hours a week. She's making a crap ton in her business. She's I think currently traveling and um, roaming around the world doing stuff. And, uh, and yeah, and so I'm very incredibly proud of her because she put in the work and everything, but there is something to be said for creating personal systems for yourself as a human being and a founder and then also for your business. And, and that's really, I mean, bare bones is what we worked on. And, and yeah. And I'm sorry, was there a second part to that question that I'm missing? Cause I was just talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like a success story and, and, and mm-hmm. one advice that stands out. And I think, I think it was um, also create systems for personal life. Uh, yeah. I love that. I love that yeah. because, you know, discipline is freedom guys. And um, discipline the more, is freedom. Absolutely. And and it's also discipline and, you know, these systems, quote unquote, for ourselves, it's really discipline. And uh, I think discipline is a vote towards uh, your future self, right? It is you cheering Mm -hmm. your future self on and telling her that you're going to meet her where she deserves to be, right? That's, that is the message of discipline. And, you know, it's not going to be easy every day, um, especially for someone like me who's allergic to coffee. So I haven't had coffee in 15 years and um, (laughs) yeah. And so when people are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I just take one sip of Coca-Cola if I really need it. Yeah. And then that's it. (laughs) I just, that's wild. I just slap my face and kind of just, I have to wake up. (laughs) I I feel you though. I actually, um, I'm back on, I'm back on the sauce. I'm back on coffee, but I actually wasn't drinking coffee for the last three years. Um, I'm, I'm someone who struggles with anxiety and I was living in Vietnam. And for those of you who do not know, the coffee there is literally like straight crack cocaine to your system. And it's very, <laughs> very strong. Yeah. It's very intense. But also young. Um, oh, it's delicious. But <laughs> yeah. I would like, you know, I limited myself to one cup a day, but with my anxiety and I had stress going on, it just was too much one day and I was like, fuck it. I'm done. I'm not, what can I control? And I cut out coffee and I had the worst withdrawal for three days. And then afterwards I felt like a brand new person. And I actually found that my energy levels were a lot more stable without coffee. Um, I only went back on coffee because I was, I was living in Colombia the previous six months. And I was like, well, I got to drink some Colombian coffee, which fun fact, they export all the good shit and they keep the second class coffee for themselves. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the Philippines. It's like, we, I think we export the best fruits and the best rice and then we eat. Yeah. Whatever is left. Um, yeah. yeah so, wow, that's funny, but yeah, systems for your business and systems for yourself, mm-hmm. they really make the world go around. So, um, 
Thank you so coffee much. Coffee or yes. no coffee. Coffee or no <laughs> coffee. Whatever your, you know, sometimes it could be a chocolate cake, a Kit Kat bar, whatever your wake me up, wake me upper is. Um, well, thank Systems you so much. will help you regardless. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where can we find you, Kelsey? How can we stalk you and all the systems that you, yeah. uh, that you create? Yeah. So as of right now, unfortunately, my website is under maintenance, but I did, I'll provide you the link with my Facebook and my LinkedIn and feel free to shoot me a DM. Uh, my profiles are open. So you can take a look at all the things. Um, I post quite a bit of content and tips and suggestions, how to do that. And yeah. And then if you're looking for a little more personal one-to-one kind of help and accountability, also always happy to have that conversation as well. Okay, sounds good. So don't hesitate to slide in her DMs and uh, and have a conversation. You don't know what your next breakthrough, business breakthrough, personal breakthrough will be. And there's a lot of people that can help you and you deserve support. So definitely find angels like Kelsey and um, take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, thank you so much, Kelsey. You have been a wealth of information. I learned a lot of things and I was able to take advantage of my curiosities as well. So we can help other founders and other entrepreneurs, business owners get rid of stress and live the best lives that they could live. So thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, See you next week for another episode of None of Your Business. Bye. Bye. So it's a wrap. To my entrepreneur friends, I hope that you found this episode interesting and enjoyable. I know I did. Big thanks to our sponsor, Proximity Outsourcing, for making this possible. If you need to outsource anything in your business so you can scale fast and easy, visit ProximityOutsourcing.com and check out their solutions. If there's any topic that you want to request, feel free to reach out. I only have two conditions. You tell me why you find it interesting and you promise it's not business talk. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube and leave us a comment or review because you're cool like that. This is your host, Carla, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your interest in fun stories. Now we can get back to business. See you next week. And remember, everything here is none of your business.